Now our culture, it blows hot and cold about commitment. We find ourselves signed up to Netflix, Crave, and Disney Plus without even realizing it. We put children in high commitment sports and we sign up for intense workout regimes. Yet, hookup culture flourishes and why pick a partner when you can keep swiping left and right? So, as is often the case, I have some good and bad news for you. Following Jesus is a 100% commitment. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Following Jesus is a 100% commitment. We're on the final week of our Rhythm of Life preaching series looking at five ancient spiritual habits that can be life-giving for us here downtown. Last week, Tyler, while curling up into a ball, talked to us about the place of money in our lives. And today we come to the fifth rhythm, faithful living, which sounds kind of cuddly and nice, right? Until you hear the fine print. Bringing the teaching and example of Jesus into all areas of our lives and sharing honestly about our faith. All areas of our lives. Christian faith is not an extracurricular activity you sign your kids up for or an aesthetically pleasing activity to mark holiday seasons by. Our final of five rhythms is about applying the truth of the gospel. And I know some of you here are spiritually searching. That is fantastic. But our final rhythm is about taking the truth that Jesus brings us and applying it to all areas of our lives. Knowledge may be power. But knowledge without action is not going to get you very far. This is the National Learning Pyramid. And it shows our retention of knowledge after 24 hours. The uh, least effective way to con uh, convey knowledge is what I'm doing this morning, right? Talking. We retain knowledge best when we apply it to our lives and take action based on the knowledge. Faithful living is about taking the truth of what we've come to know about Jesus and letting that shape us 24-7. First century writer Paul's letter to the Christian community in ancient Rome, it's going to be our guide as we look first at how our minds are given over to this 100% commitment and then how our bodies, like literally our bodies, are also given over. Minds first, then our bodies, and what some implications are. So our minds. The opening two lines from Romans 12, they are so practical. Listen to this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Present yourself as a living sacrifice? That's an oxymoron. Sacrifices, by definition, are dead. What's going on? Well, this arresting little phrase, living sacrifices, it's set against the backdrop of both the ancient Israelite system of animal sacrifice, but also the Greco-Roman uh, system of temple sacrifice. But all those sacrifices were dead. So becoming a living sacrifice? 
Now, the Greek word that Paul uses here for sacrifice is also the Greek word for killing. So it's literally make your life a living killing. What is it we need to kill in order to really live the lives that God wants for us? When our oldest daughter, Emma, was about five or six, I remember disciplining her about something, like who knows, but with a fierce glint in her eye, hands on her hips, she declared, ah, you are not the boss of me. Ho, 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 I so am the boss of you for like 13 more years, right? We need to kill the idea that left to our own devices, we know what's best for our lives. The mindset that we actually know better than God, like the God who created physics and Mozart. We need to kill the idea that we have some inherent right to live as we want to live. Kill the mindset of radical autonomy that now guides most moral decision-making in the West. Now, you may be thinking, but I want to be the boss of me, right? I, I want to be free, Jenny. You're really not selling Christian faith uh, very effectively. But friends, we're already not free. We sacrifice for tons of things. We sacrifice to climb the corporate ladder, to fit into a certain social group. We sacrifice for our kids to play rep soccer and hockey, and the list goes on. Because we think we are best equipped to make decisions about our lives. This is how deeply countercultural the Christian life now is in the West, where everything is about my choice. But that's what this final rhythm means, putting to death the idea, we all have it, myself included, that we should be left in charge of our lives. Or as Paul puts it so bluntly in verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now, on a practical level, that means every single day you're saying, okay, God, I admit it. You know better than me. Guide me. That's what baptism is. Dying to the idea that you can successfully live your life without God and rising to a new life with Jesus Christ at the center. If it sounds intense, it's because it is. So first, our minds, right? We have to kill certain ideas. And second, our bodies. Christian faith can never just be a mindset. Because what we use our bodies for and fill them with, that's how we live out what's going on in our minds. Your body is how your mind works in the world. We need to take the truth of the gospel, this is what the gospel is, that we need God far more than we care to admit, right? Sin is actually a problem. And that we are more loved by God than we could ever imagine. That's the gospel. We need to take that truth and apply it to all the different areas of our physical lives. So last week, you know, Tyler helped us look at money, right? There's, there's an old cartoon of a man being baptized. And just before he goes down into the water, he quickly grabs out his wallet and holds it above the baptism water, right? Our visa bill is probably a pretty good indicator of who or what we're committed to in this life. But we also need to apply the gospel to our sex lives. How sexual fidelity within Christian marriage is God's joy for us. How pornography destroys physical relationships. 
and how drugs and alcohol can ravage our physical bodies. We also need to say that differently abled and suffering bodies are made in the image of God and are of great dignity and worth. A relevant fact as we wrestle with complex issues such as euthanasia. The gospel also has something to say about our choice of jobs. And for most of us, our jobs are how we spend the bulk of our like physical lives, right? And a 100% commitment to following Jesus means that you're not asking yourself what will give you the most status or what will give you the most money, but instead you're asking, how can I use my gifts and my abilities in a way that reflects the priority of Jesus, of serving others? Now, the answer to that question, it might give you status, it might give you money, but it also very well might not. Giving over our bodies as well as our minds, it means that when you've got a decision to make, right, or you've got a problem in your life, you're going to take the two parts of the gospel. First one, we need God more than we care to admit. We're sinful. And the second part, that God loves us more than we could possibly imagine. You're going to take that and you're going to apply it. So let me give you an example of how it works. Think of someone you're having a fight with right now in your life. It might actually be the person next to you in the pew, right? But think of someone you're, you're having a fight with. So first, you're going to remember that we need God more than we care to admit, that we're sinful. So in the middle of that fight, you're going to acknowledge that you might actually be wrong. Right? That, you're going to do that, and that's going to bring a wonderful humility to those encounters. And then second, you're going to remember that God loves you to hell and back, and that's going to strengthen you to not be a relational doormat, right? Or it's going to give you the courage to leave the abusive relationship. Or it's going to strengthen you so that you can withstand whatever rejection might come to you in life. And it's going to give you the hope you need to repair a relationship that may be fraying. Applying the truth of the gospel to all areas of our lives. This giving over of our bodies, this giving over of our minds, it sounds intense because it is. But logically, emotionally, practically, it is the only proper response to someone who's given themselves so utterly to us. Jesus made his own life a living sacrifice. He literally gave us his body. He died so we might live. And then God raised him from the dead, a living sacrifice, so that the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, can live within us, fueling us for this extraordinary life. Now, you've probably figured out that if you begin to bring Jesus into all areas of your lives, other people will notice, 100% guaranteed your faith will just naturally be shared by the things you do and say and also by the things you decide not to do and not to say, how you keep Sundays holy for you and for your children. There are people in this city who will only ever find out about Jesus if you tell them. There are people that have your name on them. 
A member of this congregation a few weeks ago messaged his friends and he said, the only thing I want for my birthday is for you to come with me to my church and say a prayer. They all came. Matthew Perry, better known as Chandler Bing of Friends, he recently published a book about how addiction nearly killed him. And hidden away in this book is this extraordinary moment. This is a direct quote. So a bottom, the lowest point of my life. As I sat there looking into the kitchen, I noticed a crinkle in the atmosphere. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. It was real, tangible, concrete. Is this what you see at the end? I frantically began to pray. The last time I prayed, right before I'd gotten friends, I'd managed only to strike a Faustian bargain with God, who'd simply drawn a long breath and bided his damn time. God, please help me, I whispered. The little wave in the air transformed into a small, golden light. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until, until it was so big it encompassed the entire room. I'd stepped on the surface of the sun. The light engendered a feeling more perfect than the most perfect quantity of drugs I'd ever taken. I got scared and I tried to shake it off, but it was way, way bigger than me. My only choice was to surrender. I must have sat there for five, six minutes. I knew now that I was in the presence of God. That takes guts to put out there, to brave the risk of ridicule, of triteness, and while Matthew Perry would not claim to be fully healed, he has absolutely died to the idea that he's equipped to be the boss of himself. And he just might be standing at the edge of the waters of baptism. You do not need to be an addict to want the hope and purpose in life that comes from offering your body and mind up to the God who is infinitely wiser than us, the God who is infinitely loving, which means that even some of the hard things in our life might actually have a purpose. We're going to have front row seats today as people are baptized today, uh, this morning, and at the 11 o'clock service. People who want to take the truth about Jesus and apply it to all areas of their lives. So exciting. We've spent the last five weeks unpacking ancient spiritual rhythms that will enable our lives not to be balanced, remember we can't have a balanced life, but to be centered, centered on Jesus, the source and pattern of the lives we all really crave. And if you want to center your life on Jesus, either maybe for the first time today or for the a thousandth time, join me in those words of the baptismal promises in just a minute and let the words of a song we're going to sing soon, become yours. These are the words. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord I pour, at your feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever, only, all for thee. Amen.